Let's go into God's word and meditate on this passage of scripture that I love and I believe this is something that we have to live by in our life every day. If you have your Bibles, please turn with me to Philippians chapter 1 verse 27 and I'm going to speak to you from the first part of this verse. Philippians chapter 1 verse 27. If you're there, I would like to read this passage for you. Philippians chapter 1 verse 27. Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ. So whether I come and see you or I'm absent, I may hear of you that you're standing firm in one spirit with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. Can we all read this verse together? Philippians chapter 1 verse 27. Philippians 1 27. Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or I'm absent, I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit, with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. Amen. I would like to focus on the first part of this verse, where Paul writes to the church at Philippi saying, only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ. You know, there is a very specific instruction that Paul gives to the church that we can learn and apply in our own life. And this is something that I believe is really important. Because when Paul is writing this passage, when he's writing this book, he's writing from a jail cell in Rome. Now, though Paul helped started this church, now he is not with them physically. He's not with them leading their services week after week, but right now he's in a jail cell. Now, typically, if you go to a classroom in school, when the teacher is there in the class, the students are good. But when the teacher leaves, you know, all the tales come out. You know, the, the, the students show their, <laughs> you can call it the best or the worst, depending on how you'd like to see it. They show all their naughtiness right when the teacher leaves the classroom. And in the same way, you know, Paul, who started this church, is not with them anymore. Is not with them. And Paul, in the back of his mind, is hoping that one day probably I'll go and see this church again. But if you look at history, Paul was never able to go back because after this, soon he was put to death. He was executed. So if you look at Paul's life, he's in a different place, far away from the church. And he's giving the church an exhortation saying, let your life be worthy of the gospel of Christ. Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ. In other words, in simple words, this is what Paul is trying to say. Live your life, conduct yourself publicly as a person who has accepted Christ, okay? Because when you come to Christ, your life changes, your character changes, the way you talk changes, a lot of things changes in you. Paul is encouraging the church saying, display those changes to the world. Now, when we read in the English translation, some words are not very clear to us, but in the Greek, there is a word that adds a very clear meaning. What Paul is actually saying is that conduct yourself publicly in a manner worthy of the gospel. So Paul is not saying conduct yourself in a manner worthy of the gospel when you're with your friends, 
or when you're with your family or with your closed group, but rather he's saying, when people see you on the road, your life should portray Jesus Christ. Your life should show that I am changed. Your life should show that new character. So our life as a Christian should be on a display for the world to see that we are changed. Are you with me so far? Yes? So our life should be on a public display for the world to see. But sometimes when we think of it, you know, our anger hasn't changed. The way we talk hasn't changed after coming to Christ. But we must always be careful of one thing, the world is watching us. People are watching us. They're watching how we conduct ourselves. And Paul is exhorting the church saying, live your life in a manner that is worthy of the gospel. Because being a Christian in the first century AD was not a very easy task. Because back in the day, when you become a Christian, you're thrown out of your house. There is persecution and the Romans hated Christianity because when a family member, when one person in a family comes to Christ, that person will be put away from the family. So the Romans always saw Christianity as a religion that divided families. And so they hated Christians. And they would keep a close watch on Christians, seeing that these people might do something or they might cause some sort of an issue or a problem. And Paul is saying, let your conduct be in line with the gospel. In other words, he's saying, keep a close watch on how you live your life publicly. Whether we like it or not, people are watching us. Whether we like it or not, people are hearing what we say and are evaluating if we are living up to the principles of the Bible. You see, a lot of people do not believe in the Bible, but they know that Bible talks about a lot of morality. And you go somewhere and you show your anger and they'll say, are you a Christian? Are you supposed to be doing all these things? And then when you hear that, you know, you'll be so embarrassed, it's like, okay, I'm not supposed to show my anger, but I showed it and, you know, this is what happened. We have to be careful of how we live our life. Because if the same anger, same kind of talking, same kind of rudeness exists in us, then Christ is not truly living in our hearts. But when our character is changed, when our anger is taken away, when that rudeness is gone, it's a sign that Christ is living in us. See, the greatest transformation that you'll see in a person who is saved is not in the number of songs that he can sing, not the number of verses that he can quote, but a transformed character. Christianity is the only religion that has the power to change a person's character. It's the only religion that has the power to change and mold a person's character. That person might have been a thug before, a rowdy, a murderer, but when he comes to Christ, he will change into a very soft-hearted person. He might have been someone who's rude, you know, someone who gets angry at people, but when he comes to Christ, his life can completely change. And Paul is saying, show that change to the entire world. Let the world see that your character is transformed. All that Paul is saying here is live your life in a manner that is worthy of the gospel. Amen? Now, if you think of this, displaying your life for the world to see or publicly showing yourself to the world is easier said than done. I'm sure all of us will agree. I also will agree because there are times when I don't want to show my anger, but it comes out. I don't know. 
how it comes, but it comes. And then I realized, think to myself, okay, I'm a pastor leading a church and I hope my believers don't see that. <laughs> you know, somewhere or the other, the, the, the flesh, you know, shows its real colors. And there are areas of our life that are still under the control of the flesh. Somewhere or the other, you know, there is a hold over our life. So when, when, when someone offends us, we can't help but show that anger, that frustration. When someone offends us, say something, we can't help speak those words that will hurt or that will show that we belong to the world. Some of us might have been in a situation where we reacted with anger. And someone might have pointed out to us saying, hey, you're a Christian, you're not supposed to behave like this. So it's a challenge, you know, as I, as I speak this sermon, I'm not saying something that oh, this is something you have to follow. If you do not follow, you're out of the church. I'm not saying that. We all need the grace of God to live this way every day. And many times the enemy will come and tell us it's impossible to be a true Christian. But it is possible simply through the grace of God. When we seek his strength every day and say, God, help me to be more like you. Help my life be a testimony to others in my workplace. I tell you, your life will truly be a testimony. The way you conduct yourself publicly will bring many to Christ. Amen? So it's a challenge to live that way. It's a challenge that we face every day. And if you look at Peter, the disciple of Jesus, he also fell into a situation where he, he did not walk in line with the gospel. Who was this? Peter, who walked with Jesus. Peter who saw Jesus transfigured on the mountain. See, man, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to explain to you that as I share these things with you, these are not a legalistic principle, but something that we have to live by with the grace of God. And you see, Peter here also failed at one point in time. If you turn with me to Galatians chapter 2, verse 11, we see here there's an incident that happens that Paul narrates. In Galatians chapter 2, verse 11, Paul says like this, Now when Peter had come to Antioch, I withstood him to his face because he was to be blamed. Now this is a very special situation. It's like the junior pastor calling out the senior one. <laughs> Verse 12, Paul narrates saying, For before certain men came from James, he would eat with the Gentiles. But when they came, he withdrew and separated himself, fearing those who were of the circumcision. And verse 13 says, And the rest of the Jews also played the hypocrite with him, so that even Barnabas was carried away with their hypocrisy. So you see what's happening here. There's a problem here. Peter was acting in the way, in a way that the Jews were happy. Because the Jews did not like the Gentiles. It's very hard for a Jew to really love a Gentile. Because they were always taught saying that Gentiles are fuel for hellfire. That God hated the Gentiles and he wants to destroy them. And they always felt they were special. But when Jesus came, he gave the message to everyone. So the gospel came to everyone. But Peter, being a Jew, and he wanted to please some of his Jewish brethren, what did he do? When the Jews came, he went off with the Jews. When the Jews were not there, he was hanging out with the Gentiles. So he is doing something that is not in line with the gospel. That is something that you're not supposed to do. Because when you come into Christ, the cultural barriers are taken away. When you come into Christ, your status are taken away. 
So it's no more about I am a high caste. It's no more about I come from this background or we are of this, you know, family. It doesn't matter. The Bible makes it very clear there is neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. So the moment you come to Christ, the cultural barriers are destroyed. The cultural barriers are taken away. Status barriers are taken away. But you see how Peter behaves. He behaves in a manner contrary to the gospel. When the Gentiles were there, he hung out with them. When the Jews were there, he hung out with them. So Peter was acting in a hypocritical manner. So Paul, the junior apostle, ends up scolding the senior one. What does he say? In verse 12, this is what happened. Galatians chapter 2 verse 12. When he first arrived, he ate with the Gentiles, Gentile believers who were not of the circumcision. Now, if you jump to verse 14, here's what Paul says, Galatians 2.14. He says, but when I saw that their conduct was not in step with the truth of the gospel, I said to Cephas before them all, if you, though a Jew, live like a Gentile and not like a Jew, how can you force the Gentiles to live like the Jews? So Peter was rebuked by Paul. So what we see here is that in the first line he says that their conduct was not in step with the truth of the gospel. Are you with me so far? Are you with me so far? What is Paul saying? That Peter's conduct was not in step with the truth of the gospel. So he was scolded by the junior apostle, Paul. What do we see here? The way we conduct ourselves really matters. It doesn't matter who we are or how many years we have been in Christ. It doesn't matter. You know, all our seniority, age, doesn't matter. Our life has to be truly in line with the gospel. Our life has to reflect Christ. We have to live our life in a way that glorifies Christ every day. No matter what we do, we have to always conduct ourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel. Because we are living in times, I'm telling you, we are living in times where it is becoming more and more challenging to be a Christian. We're living in times where there are systems and policies that are coming that are anti-Christian. And in a time like this, we need to live boldly for the sake of Christ. I can tell you honestly that living in this city, when I introduce myself as a pastor to people or to the shops or to the places I go, the moment I say that I'm a pastor and I'm running a church, they immediately frown. And I would always feel like, you know, if I, if I hide my identity, people will, be, people will be happy with me. They'll be happy with me. And I've been, you know, realizing this more and more, more and more, saying that no matter who I am, or how people treat me or regard me as, let me live in the way Christ has called me to live. Let the world see that I'm a Christ follower. It may be a difficult thing sometimes to say that you follow Christ because of the kind of systems and policies that are coming out in our world today where people are putting down or looking down at Christians. Even in midst of all that, you have to live a life that glorifies Christ. Amen. See, many times Christianity has become a brand name. Oh, I'm a Christian. Means nothing. What is important is that your life and my life 
should demonstrate the finished work of Jesus on the cross. Your life and my life should show that transformed character. Christianity is not a brand name. It's not a name tag, but it is a life that we have to live, a transformed life that has to be displayed to the world. Amen? We have to live a life where people can see the difference between us and the world. Many times we try to be one with the world. We try to do what the world does so that we can be counted as one of them. Sadly, many believers look like that. They look like the world. I remember, you know, years ago, I used to have a mohawk. How many of you know what a mohawk is? Okay, now all of you are sanctified here, praise God. <laughs> mohawk is a spike, you know, you just have your hairs going up. Your gravity has gone up, it's like that. You know, the hairs are up. You know, used to. That's how my hairs were years ago. <laughs> I was a very different man. And my dad would get so angry because he would, he would you know, go visiting houses and he would see guys on the roadside, the rowdies having a mohawk, you know? And, 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 and he comes home and he sees his own son having a mohawk. And he would, used to get so angry, not because it was wrong, but because the way I was doing it, I identified myself with someone of the world. And eventually I stopped doing that, everything went flat after <laughs> But we have to be careful of how we present ourselves. You know, when I'm in a crowd, do I look different from the crowd, or do I look one person among the crowd? How is my life? Is my speech different from the world, or is it similar to the world? If it's similar, we are in a very dangerous place. We have to carry our identity as a Christ follower. Wherever we go, we have to live as a Christian. Our conduct should be in line with the gospel. It should be a public display. Our character should be displayed publicly. We should be known for the characteristics that Jesus talks about. Being kind, not showing anger, but forgiving people, not judging them, not condemning them, but loving people unconditionally. That should be our life. That should be on public display for the world to see. We should pray every day saying, saying, Lord, give me the grace to do that because it's not easy. Amen. I'm sure all of you will agree, Pastor, what you're saying is really beautiful. I feel encouraged, but it's very hard to do that. We have to pray and say, God, help me to live that way. Help me, God, help me. Seek God for his strength and his grace. I can tell you, God will help you live a life that glorifies his name. There are three things I want to share with you that you must do if you desire to live a life worthy of the gospel. Three things. First one is this. If you desire to live a life worthy of the gospel, then here's what you must do. Watch what you think. Watch what you think. My mentor once told me that, that our thoughts form our actions, our actions form our attitude, and our attitude forms our character. So, if you think about the way we think, you know, if you think about the thoughts that we have, it influences our character in a big way. For instance, you know, we may see someone and start to have feelings of anger or jealousy. If we, when we look at somebody specific, we get irritated. They may not have done anything to us at that point, but the moment we see them, you know, anger comes out. Irritation frustration, all that comes. And we end up having imaginary conversations in our mind. How many of you had imaginary arguments? That person arguing and you arguing back and you giving the best answer that that person cannot reply back. 
You know, all these things keep going on in our mind. If that is going on in your mind, it's, if that's going on in our mind, that's a sign that we need fixing. Our life needs to be fixed. Our thinking needs fixing. When we get angry at all these small things that happen to us, all these imaginary conversations, all the thoughts that come into our life, the thoughts of irritation, jealousy, anger, all of that, when those thoughts are in our mind, we have to be careful because those thoughts are going to influence. It will make us a more angry person, a person who will behave in a rude way. So if you desire to live according to the scriptures where you want to conduct yourself in a manner worthy of the gospel, then you have to watch what you think. And that is why in Philippians chapter 4, verse 8, we read like this saying, Finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, what should you do? Think about these things. So what should your thinking be filled with? What is true? But many times we think all the faults, speculations, you know. Maybe that person said to me this way, or maybe they treated me that way. All these false thinking keeps going on in our mind. And that is why our relationships are ruined. Sometimes we go and ask the Lord, God, why, is my, why are my relationships like this? The reason is because in our thinking, we are carrying false stories and repeating them over and over and over again. But what the Bible commands us to think Whatever is true, which means if there is a false thought, a rumor, or some sort of a false story that comes to your mind, don't spend your time on those things. Amen? Whatever is true. And then goes on to say, whatever is honorable. In other words, if someone were to listen to our thoughts, they should feel happy, good thoughts. But sometimes if someone were to connect uh, earphone into our brain and listen to our thoughts, they will run away as far as possible. Because our thoughts are filled with so many things that dishonor the Lord. Goes on to say, verse goes on to say, whatever is just, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, commendable, if there is any, any excellence, think about those things. At many times if we look at our thoughts, what are they? They're worse than garbage. Paul's saying, let your mind think things that are excellent. Anything that is worthy of praise, think about these things. Because when you do that, your mind will be at peace. Your mind will be at rest. Because we're thinking of so many false stories, rumors, we're listening to unnecessary thoughts, we're thinking what is impure, our mind is out of our control. And Sunday, and Sunday to Sunday we come back saying, God, why is my mind out of control? Maybe there is a demon that is in my mind. No. You have failed to live according to the Bible and do what it says. The instruction is very practical. Think of what is good. What is lovely. What is excellent. So that any, any moment a thought comes into your mind that is bad, immediately stop that. Don't even think of that. Don't even give room for that thought to grow. Any thought of hatred, jealousy comes into our mind, stop it immediately at its roots. Because when you do that, you will be able to have a clear mind. Amen? 
A mind is a problem many a times. A mind is a problem for relationships. A mind is a problem for our spiritual growth also. We are putting in so many things in our mind that we are unable to live a life that glorifies Christ. Amen? There are some changes we have to make in our life. Maybe changes in our friendship. Changes in the way we interact with people. And I encourage you to do that today. I believe God truly desires that you change the way you think. Change the thoughts that come to your mind. When you have a thought that is not honorable to the Lord, immediately ask God saying, God, please take it away from me. I don't want to entertain such thoughts. Amen. Last week I spoke to you, when temptation comes, don't give a second look at it. A thought of temptation, when it comes into your mind, don't even think about it again, but rather cast it out in the name of Jesus. Run away from it. When you do that, you will be able to live a life that truly honors God. Amen. So watch what you think. Second, exercise carefulness in speech. Exercise carefulness in speech. Be careful of what you say. Be careful of every word you utter. Because you cannot speak a word that hurts someone and escape. God will call that to account. If you read Ecclesiastes, the last chapter, Solomon says, do all that you want, but remember this one day, God will call every deed, every action into account. So we cannot say something to someone that hurts them, that breaks them and escape. We cannot do that. God will call everything into account. And if you look at the book of James, chapter 3, most of you know this passage. It talks about the tongue. It doesn't talk about our leg. It doesn't talk about our hand. But talks about this one part of our body that is so small, but it can set the whole world on fire. Okay? The Bible talks about the tongue. Verse 2 says like this, James chapter 3, verse 2, Indeed, we all make many mistakes. For if we would control our tongues, we would be perfect and could also control ourselves in every other way. So you control your tongue, you can also control yourself in every other way. A lot of times you see when our thinking goes wrong, words are put into our mouth. And the moment we utter those words, everything goes wrong. But if we can stop our thinking, stop the way we speak, change the words that we utter, I tell you, our words will be something that will build someone. But sadly, the common trend in the Christian world today is gossip and rumors. It's just, you know, everybody loves to talk about gossip, you know, talk about someone else in the church, about their life and what they're doing and what they should be doing but they're not doing and why they should not be doing what the things like going on and on there's a gossip that can destroy the fellowship and the community of believers and we have to be careful of what we speak we have to exercise carefulness in our speech because if you read verse 6 it says like this James chapter 3 verse 6 it says the tongue is a flame of fire what is it? have you ever thought of your tongue that way? Your tongue is a flame of fire. It is a whole world of wickedness corrupting your entire body. You know, if you can change the way you speak, you can live a life that pleases God. 
The verse goes on to say like this, it can set your whole life on fire. It's like distracting our own self if we use our words too much. That's why I believe it's better to be a man of few words. Better to be a woman of few words. Speak what is good. Speak what is right. And refrain from everything that is unnecessary. Because if we do not exercise carefulness in our speech, it is equal to killing our own soul, killing ourselves. We have to be careful of how, how we behave. Tongue is a flame of fire. It's a world of wickedness. It can set your whole life on fire. Amen. Avoid, avoid saying anything because you can say it, but rather think about how your words will affect someone. It's very important to reflect on your life that way. Amen. How many of you are ready to leave? Last point. I'll, I'll say this last, share this last point with you and then you can go off uh, and enjoy your day. But I would like you to meditate on what you are hearing today and, and put this into practice because I believe this is really important. Every year we have to keep renewing our life, keep checking where we stand. Am I living a life that honors Christ? Is my character, my attitude reflecting the glory of God? Is it reflecting Jesus? Something that we have to keep thinking day after day. Amen. The final thing, third thing we have to do if we desire to live a life worthy of the gospel is this. We have to be, we have to be thoughtful in our action. We have, to be, we have to be thoughtful in our action. See, the way we act matters. Our body language matters. The way we behave with people matters. And the Bible talks a lot about it. If you read 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 13, it says like this, be watchful, stand firm in the faith, act like men, and be strong. What it says here, act like men and be strong. The way we act matters. We just can't get away with anything we do. I had a friend who would say, bro, I'll say of something and it'll become true. He considered himself to be a prophet. And if you, if you go to Bangalore, you'll find a lot of prophets in every corner, especially in Kamnali, Lingarajpuram and <laughs> Henur Cross. You'll find prophets in every corner. And, you know, sadly, no matter what he said and what he did, he always carried a very bad name. Whenever he would walk into the campus, people would walk in the other direction. Why? Because his actions will always put off people. Even his actions will always make people run away from him. But he would consider himself as a person that he does whatever he does is right. You know, I can do whatever I want and it will be the coolest thing. It's never that way. There is a way to live. We have to be thoughtful. We have to think how we are acting. You have to think, is my action going to hurt somebody? The way we live really matters. If you read Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1, the Bible says here, I therefore, Paul is saying this, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling which you have been called. Amen. All of us have a calling. All of us have an anointing over our lives. Whether we realize it or not, God has a purpose over our life. 
And I often tell myself that, you know, when I go to fellowships or to uh, meet family or anything, they have a way they celebrate their joy. And, you know, by no means I can partake in that. You know, I've lived among people, I have lived with a roommate for more than six months who drank and smoked every day. Drink and smoke and you would literally go really high, out of control at one point. And just because I am sleeping on a bed next to him, I never said, please pour something for me, I'm also feeling lonely. I cannot say that. You know why? It's not because I'm someone very special, but because there is a calling over my life. And there is a way I have to act. There's a way I have to conduct myself. I cannot just go around doing anything I want. I want to share this story with you. And as I share this story, this is about a pastor who recently fell from his ministry. And I'm really broken by that news. But there is something that I would like to point out. And I'm doing this not in the spirit of condemnation or judging him, but as something that we can all learn from his life. Very famous, probably if I tell you his name, you would come to know, but I won't mention his name. Very famous. But he had a habit of drinking. He had a habit of drinking. And eventually that led him in a very wrong direction. Because he had a lot of friends, celebrity friends. If I mention his name, you would know, but I don't want to do that. So he would hang out with them, do what they do, and live in the way they also live. Drink, enjoy life. Eventually, that led him down to a path where he fell apart in his ministry. And it was a huge public failure. And so many people pointed their fingers at him and said, oh, he's like this, that. But I want to point out something. If our character is not transformed, if we are not living in line with the calling that God has given us, somewhere the enemy is preparing a ground to bury us alive. If you and I are not living in line with the gospel, not in line with the calling. See, just because I'm a pastor, just because I'm a pastor, I cannot go and do anything I want. I have to be careful of how I live, how I speak, how I conduct myself. Because I don't want people to fall apart because of the way I act. Rather, I want them to see my life and give glory to God. It's something that all of us have to do. We have to be very careful. And this one man was not careful of his actions and eventually that broke away his entire ministry life. A great speaker, I've listened to him too many times, but destroyed his life completely. If our character, our attitude is not in line with the calling, the enemy is happily preparing a pit for you to bury you alive. I want to let you know this. This is very important. Anytime you live life, anytime you do anything for the Lord, make sure your, li your life is in line with the gospel, is in line with the calling. Don't do anything just because you can do it, but do it because God is pleased. Amen? Do what God is pleased. With this, I would like to close this sermon. Why don't we all stand up in prayer? I don't know where your life is today, but I believe it's a time to reflect on where you stand. The mistakes might be small today, 
that anger might be a small issue today that uncontrollable speech might be a small thing today that thought might be a small thing today but let me remind you this it's going to explode one day you cannot hide what you're doing for too long you can never hide what you're doing for too long god sees he knows and the command we receive from the word is this your life should be on a public display for the world to see that you are transformed that you are a man of a different character that you are different from the world your life should be on a public display that is what the word commands us our conduct should be in a manner worthy of the gospel of christ we all fail and falter in many ways but the grace of god can sustain us can we all just ask god you now if you want to say lord i want to change myself today just close your eyes look into the lord in prayer and say master i want to be transformed i want to i want to flee from that emotional outburst that i have i want to flee from that anger that i have in my life i want to flee from the things that dishonor you god i want to flee from those things help me maybe there is a short tempered behavior something that just keeps pulling me down can we say lord help me the bible says that if we confess our sins He is able to cleanse us from all our unrighteousness. He will forgive us if we confess it. God has no conditions. He will not say you've asked sorry a hundred times and I'm not going to do it now. He will never say that rather he will he will welcome you with open arms, say son come home. I'll redeem you. I'll restore you. I'll take away those things from your life. If we can go to God and say, "God, help me to live a life that glorifies your name every day." God will help us. God will restore us. Amen. No matter where we are and what we have done, it doesn't matter. The grace of God can cover us. When we come to him and say, "Lord, I'm sorry," he will change and transform your life forever. And if you want to make the decision today, that i'm going to walk in line with the gospel this year just lift your hands up make this commitment from your heart say lord i want to live a life that glorifies your name i want to flee from the lust of this world i want to flee from everything that pulls me down i want to live a life that glorifies your name help me god help me oh we worship you Father I pray for every hand that is lifted up in commitment to walking in line with the gospel. I pray for every hand that is lifted up. We pray Lord that they will be careful of the thoughts they have. Careful of the words they speak and thoughtful about their action. And help them to live a life that is in line with your word, Master. That when the when the world sees them, they will identify them as a person who is transformed. a person who is different from everyone else god thank you for what you spoke into us today thank you for reminding us through your word through your scriptures we love you jesus and father 
we know that this is an evidence that you are concerned about our life you are concerned about the way we live and the character that we have help us to live a life help us to put off everything that dishonors you that displeases you help us to live a life that glorifies your name help us oh god we thank you for who you are in our lives thank you for your sweet presence in this place be with us even as we leave and depart from this place let this word remain in our hearts and let it bear fruit in jesus name we pray amen and amen and amen